Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual professional medical or mental health advice. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Carincefeli. I'm a holistic health coach, online course creator, published author, and podcaster. Woo! All these cool things. Um, so today I... Um, I'm kind of coming on here kind of unplanned and unhitched. I had a a podcast already recorded that I was going to release tomorrow, but I just got back from a weekend retreat. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably have seen me post about being up in Mount Shasta. I am a part of a 10-month-long program called Root and Rise, And it is a group of heart-centered entrepreneurial women. And it is led by my life coach, Brandilyn Tebow. You've probably heard me talk about her on my Instagram, perhaps. Or if you've read my book, I mention her in my book. Um, And then this other woman named Jane, who is an herbalist and a plant medicine goddess. And the two of them created this sacred container to help women come into their own to stand in their truth, embrace their power, heal ancestral trauma and childhood wounds and and just like stand in their power and own their shit and do what it is that they're meant to do on planet earth. And so I'm the chef for this group. I prep the food at our in-person retreats and this week was our second in-person retreat And some really cool shit happened up in the mountains with these cool spiritual witchy women. What I find interesting is how in alignment I feel for being responsible for feeding the ladies, prepping the food, um, and the work that I do in the world, right? So I help women heal their relationship with food. I help women break free from diet culture and the pursuit of thinness and shrinking of their bodies. I help them heal their relationship with their body and develop a positive body image. And so it just feels in alignment that I am here as the chef preparing the food for these women so that they can be really nourished and have the energy and the capacity to show up for themselves and show up for the people in the world that they want to help. It all makes sense to me (laughs) that I'm doing this work right now. Um, quick shout out to my girl Tristan though for helping me in the kitchen. It's, it's a lot of work to prep food for a large group of people. Um, so if you've ever cooked for a large group of people or if you even just manage like Thanksgiving, like imagine doing that multiple days in a row for, you know, 10 to 12 women. It's a lot of work. And then you throw in, you know, food sensitivities and dietary requirements and it's just like a whole nother layer, layer of complexity. Like figuring out what to cook that everyone can eat is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. But that said, I am totally honored to be a part of this group. Um, and for all of the women's retreats that I've cooked at, it's really life-changing and I'm really grateful um, to Jane and Brandy for allowing me to feed the ladies. It's totally synergistic with the work that I am doing now and yeah, I love it. So... I wanted to kind of share with you guys today a little bit about what happened at the retreat, something that really clicked for me or just like a big moment. And then what's come out of that big moment is the topic of the podcast today. So I want to tell you a little bit about that big moment. And then I want to dive into what I want to talk about today, which we will get to, but it has to do with just like speaking my truth and 
taking up space and sharing something with you guys that like I haven't been super vocal about I haven't said that much about because I've been afraid to like really say what's on my mind and so yes so we'll get to that okay so back in April at our very first in-person retreat so again this is a 10-month long program we had our very first in-person retreat we went around and shared what our intentions were for the group and what we were hoping to get out of participating in the program. And I had shared how I wanted to learn to trust my voice more. I wanted to trust what I wanted to say. I wanted to not be afraid to speak my truth. And I'm going to be real, real with you on here and just be vulnerable and let you know that for as long as I can remember, I've always been afraid of saying the wrong thing, afraid that what I say won't connect, it won't land, it won't make sense, it won't make a difference, that people won't like it, that they'll hate me for it, or they'll not agree with me, like all of it. Like caption writing on Instagram takes me forever. Writing my book Body Wisdom and then publishing it was so scary. I really had to put myself outside of my comfort zone to put that book out in the world. And The reason is just because when you put stuff out in the world, you put yourself out there to be judged and to be criticized. And while I have had some amazing feedback from Body Wisdom, like the people that have come to me have told me that that book has made a difference for them or that they recommend it to their clients or to their friends or to their different communities, like has brought tears to my eyes. But at the same time, I've also received some criticism and That whole process of like putting that book out in the world has been a huge like growth experience for me in being unattached from the negative stuff and not letting it affect my self-worth. Through this experience, I have now developed so much respect for people who put themselves out there, who stand up for what they believe in. And ultimately, we all inevitably face some criticism. It's unavoidable. It's like that quote, you know, the only way to to never be criticized is to do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. That quote is so very true. The only way to avoid being criticized is to literally like do nothing and say nothing. And I've reflected on my fear of speaking up and where it's come from. And I can't pinpoint it exactly. I'm sure if I spent more time reflecting on it, I could maybe pinpoint something in my childhood of, or something in school of like speaking up or saying something and being made fun of or being ridiculed. But I don't have like a very specific example. I just am clear that something obviously happened to me when I was younger about speaking up. Or it's also possible that it's just it's just conditioning from our culture. Like we as women are conditioned to, you know, sit still, be quiet, you know, just be nice to look at, you know, be ladylike, don't speak too loud, don't be aggressive, don't have too many opinions, right? And so it's also possible that this is just cultural conditioning that I am basically untying or I'm like deconditioning myself from how the world has told me I'm supposed to be as a woman. And I get that it might surprise you that this is something that I struggle with since I have a podcast and I have a book and I have an Instagram and I'm speaking to all of you all of the time, but I truly struggle to trust my voice and I don't judge myself for this. I'm human. I have struggles and vulnerabilities and insecurities like everyone else. So to give you an example, it takes me hours to write an Instagram caption or when I record these podcasts that you've been listening to, I will like 
listen to it multiple times or I'll re-record it multiple times before I publish it just to make sure that what I said is okay because it's like I'm not trusting that the words that came out of my mouth were good enough or the right words or whatever. And I've realized that this is like a huge waste of time that I do not trust the words that come out of my mouth. And I was recently interviewing Stephanie Webb from Nutrition Redefined and she her podcast will be out in a couple of weeks. I think it's actually episode 13. I've I've bulked recorded a lot of podcasts because I'm traveling later this year and I wanted to make sure I could still produce content for you guys. And I asked her like, you know, do you edit or like, do you listen back? And she's like, no, I don't listen to them. And I was like, hmm, okay. Maybe I should not go back <laughs> and like listen to all of my podcasts and and edit them. And like it, this is part of my perfectionism, I guess. Right. Like I've never thought of myself as a perfectionist, but like my dad has told me so many times that I'm a perfectionist and that I need to just like get shit out in the world, like get the work done, put it out there like B plus work is OK work, you know, and and I'm starting to have more self-awareness and like yeah maybe I am a little bit of a perfectionist or maybe I do overthink things and and maybe I need to be okay with b plus work so that's something I keep hearing over and over again from various like life coaches and business owners they're like you know just put put it out in the world see what the response is and then just like course correct as you go along I know Michael Bostick from the Skinny Confidential says this that you need to just like put the product out and go along with it and then I've heard a lot of life coaches just be like B plus work is still work that's going to have a positive impact on people so I'm going to take all of their words of wisdom and I am going to put this podcast out there without re-recording it a second time and without listening to it 10 times and not editing it to death so yeah (laughs) just know that this is this is me really expanding past my comfort zone and my edges to make a commitment to myself that I'm going to do that and I actually told the women at the retreat that I was going I was committing to trusting the words that come out of my mouth and not overanalyzing and spending a crap ton of time taking a fine tooth comb and like combing through everything that I do like just yeah okay enough with that so fast forward to this past weekend at the retreat we're at the arc of the program we've been working together for six months we have four months left together and uh on the first night of the retreat we all sat together kind of in in like a half circle and then we were asked to get up and share our mission our purpose like why were we put here on this earth what's the most true pure distilled distilled down purpose for this life of ours that we are living and the women in this group are like really fucking rad they're vulnerable they're real they're raw they're true expressions of the divine feminine and we all have scars and deep wounds and we're all healing from them so that we can go and then heal others so that we can do the work that we're meant to do in the world and everyone in this group is heart-centered and driven to create change through inspired loving action And so one by one, each one of us would get up and we would start speaking. They would speak their truth. Like one by one, the the women would speak their truth about their meaningful missions on planet Earth. And they said the most moving, beautiful things. Things like transmuting darkness into light or being the flow and creating flow or healing ancestral trauma and stopping it from wounding future generations. Like really beautiful large possibilities for their lives and incredibly important work 
for the world. Just beautiful, energetically charged words. And I'm sitting there as it's about to be my turn and I'm thinking to myself like, shit. You know, I hope what I say is, is, is as inspiring as what these women are saying. And I hope that my truth is as pure and as impactful as theirs. I hope that what I say moves them just like what they're saying is moving me. And I stand up in front of this group. It's my turn. I'm, I'm kind of nervous, but as I'm getting up there, this tidal wave of excitement just like flows over me. And I was like, well, I'm just going to tell the girls that. So I'm like, I'm so excited to share what I'm about to share with you. And it was true. Like in that moment, I really was excited. But then I paused with like major trepidation. And I was like, ah, like shit. Should I really just say what's coming to mind? Like these are the words that are coming to mind. And I'm like, oh crap. Like should I really say this? All of my old stories and my fears about connecting to my voice and speaking my truth were coming up. They were like looking at me right in the face. And I just thought to myself, Kara, you're in a safe space. Like spit it out, sister. And so I'm standing there. I'm looking at these women and I'm like, I am here. Dot, dot, dot. Pause for a really long time. And I'm like, so women can give less fucks. And I felt this intense heat wrap around my body as the words came out of my mouth. I was shocked. Shit. Did I really just say that here in this sacred ceremony space? Yep, that's what I said. I'm here so women can give less fucks. That's my mission. That's my purpose. The girls immediately burst out into laughter. And I think I heard someone say, yes, queen. Jane, our medicine woman, can't stop laughing. She's like cracking up, like, you know, hands flailing in the air. And she says to Brandolyn how good it was for her to hear that. For someone who takes things so seriously all the time, for me to just get up there and be like, well, here it is, guys. This is my truth. As I'm standing up there, Brandolyn tells me to jump up and move around and say it again. So my lanky, awkward, non-coordinated, wiggly self just jumps up and down and yells, I am here so women give less fucks. To which she said, good work, sister. I let out a big sigh of relief. I spoke my truth and I was not rejected. So yes, let's all give less fucks. The response was so moving for me. Having them embrace me, see me, get me, just to know what I mean when I say that. So these women, they know the work that I do. They know how much I want women to stop believing in the lies that society tells us about our bodies and our worth. And yeah, that was a really powerful moment. And I hope that I'm able to convey how powerful and important that was for me to just get up there and be like I could put together a string together a bunch of really beautiful words about like intuition and embrace the femininity and the divine feminine and healing ancestral trauma and all of these really beautiful powerful words but I was like I just got to be true to Kara and how does Kara talk and honestly I do use words like transformation and and intuition and words like that. But really like the most true version of me is like, no, I really just want us all to give less fucks. And I said it and they they just got me. They saw me for like who I am. And yeah, it was just awesome. And in the spirit of continuing to just speak my truth, I want to share with you guys something that has been on my mind a lot 
pretty much this whole year and I haven't really talked about it much because I've just been afraid of like being so opinionated and being so polarizing and I just decided that you know what I'm just gonna go for it I made a commitment to the women at the end of the retreat that I was gonna trust myself and I was gonna speak my truth and so I want to share with you something that I have been thinking a lot about recently so here goes nothing so when I think about the lives of our ancestors, the history of how women have been treated and seen. We have been property. We've been owned by men. We have been raped by men and then blamed for it. Rape used to be punishable by death and the women were killed, not the men who committed violence against them, which is, oh God, it's just awful. We were not allowed to vote to work outside of the house, to get an education or make decisions for ourselves. And we are still fighting for and defending our right to make our own decisions about our bodies. Every day, our right to birth control and safe abortions is threatened. We're still not paid equally. The majority of child labor falls upon us. Child support is not mandatory in several states. We're barely represented in the government, only holding about 19% of elected offices, yet we are more than half the country's population. We are barely represented by large media companies. The head of almost every single media outlet is a white man. So what we see, the narratives about women, the stories told about us are predominantly told by men. And in school, the books our children read are predominantly written by men about men. So while we have come a long way, we still have a lot of work to do. I recently learned that all of our rights are not written in the Constitution. All of the rights that we have, right? Like the, the right to vote, you know, we can go to work. These are pieces of legislation and they're, they're only laws, but all legislation can be overruled and taken away. Laws can be changed. So on a federal level, we don't have equal rights. Our right to being treated as equal is not written into our Constitution. And I didn't actually really know this, but it was brought to my attention by a podcast called Unladylike, and the episode is called How Not to Get Screwed by the Supreme Court of the United States by SCOTUS. Yeah, like How to Not Get Screwed by SCOTUS. And I will link to the podcast in the show notes so that you guys can go and listen to it. But it was all about the Equal Rights Amendment or the ERA. And it is something that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg really wants added into the Constitution. And basically what it's saying is that equality of rights under law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on the account of sex. The Equal Rights Amendment would seek to end the legal distinctions between men and women in terms of divorce, property, employment, and several other matters. So currently on the federal level, being treated equally is not a part of our constitution, but the Equal Rights Amendment could change that. Now, I bring this up because I believe that our society, our culture, the patriarchal society in which we live has intentionally distracted us with the beauty and thin ideal. 
Now, I think that if we weren't all distracted by hating ourselves and hating our bodies and trying to change our bodies, it's likely that the ERA would already be a part of our constitution. But we're, we're distracted. Like literally, the fact that I did not know this, that, that like literally on a federal level, we, are, we don't have rights on a federal level. And that all of the pieces of legislation that give us the rights that we have can easily change if the House and the Senate change. They can easily change based on who's in office and that scares me I want to know that as a woman I am going to be not treated as a second class citizen of the United States that should be a part of our constitution and currently it is not and I didn't know this and I'm someone that like pays attention to politics and definitely identifies as a feminist and I didn't know this. I was blown away listening to this podcast. I was like, wow, yeah, like this needs to be a part of the Constitution. So I probably did not do a great job of explaining that. Uh, Maybe I did. I don't know. But definitely go check out the podcast so you can learn more about it. I will link to it. But I really believe that the reason why we don't have constitutional equal rights as women or as all human beings in the constitution it's because we're distracted and we're distracted because we're taught by our culture to hate our bodies and to think that something is wrong with us if we don't fit the ideals and if you guys remember last week that podcast episode where I interviewed Jessica we talked about the quote from from Naomi Wolf she says that a culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession with female beauty but female obedience Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. And tractable means a person or animal that's easy to control or influence. So yeah, a population that is quiet and mad, right? Angry at themselves, angry at their bodies. They're easy to control and influence. And that is a really potent observation of what is happening right now with diet culture being what it is and I'm like heck yes sister oh my god like I am seeing what she is talking about so we are shown this picture of a woman over and over and over again from a very young age like literally we are conditioned to see this thin ideal as what a woman should look like and Basically, from the time we pop out of the womb, we are taught that the most important thing a woman can be is thin and pretty. And our society's current version of thin and pretty is basically not real and totally unattainable for most women on planet Earth. What I mean by this is like models. So these like super tall, thin, Giselle-like, you know, Giselle Buncham, young women are 95 to 97% of the females that we see in advertisements. But according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 0.05% of the population are models that fit this look. So these bodies are already extremely rare. And on top of them already being not the norm or not the majority, they are then photoshopped and airbrushed to death. So literally, the ideal that women are told they're supposed to strive to be does not exist in nature. So we will be striving to reach this thin and beauty ideal until the day we die. We will always fall short of it because it literally does not exist. So we are constantly told that if we don't look like the thin ideal, 
that we must strive to because that is what matters most for us as women. We are told that we are worth less as a human being if we don't look like this ideal. And as a result, we feel insecure, we feel ashamed, we hate our bodies, and we typically hate ourselves in the process. And if we're feeling this way about ourselves, we're obviously not going to ask for equal pay. We're not going to negotiate for higher salaries. We're not going to apply for that leadership position that opened up, right? We're not going to tell someone when we've had violence committed against us and we've been raped and abused. Although the Me Too movement has definitely opened up the floodgates and I'm so grateful for it. And at the time of recording this, I just found out that Bill Cosby is being sentenced to way less years than I thought, but three to 10 years in prison for sexual assault. And I just think that that is very important that he was found guilty of crimes against women. It's very important that men realize that they that we're not their property and, and we're not here for the male gaze and we're not here to appease their sexual desires. We are not second-class citizens. I think that it is so important that that just happened. Maybe you can't tell, but I'm like super fired up right now. Anyways, <laughs> then, right, so after we're constantly shown this thin ideal that we literally cannot achieve and we're told that it's the most important thing a woman can be, They then prey upon our insecurities. They attempt to sell us products to try to make it better. They sell us the hope that if we just buy their product, we can finally get the body ideal and then we can get all of the things we are told we will only get once we reach this impossible thin ideal. I mean, honestly, it's abusive, but it's like a pretty good business model if you actually really look at it for what it is. And you know what I say to that? I just think how fucking convenient for the patriarchal society in which we live, right? Like how convenient and it's just so messed up. Like you guys, I really want you to see it for what it is. So sure, yes, women have a lot more freedom than they've ever had before, ever. I I do not take for granted the fact that I am a woman who has her own business, who's speaking my truth, right? Who has the freedom of free speech. I do not take this for granted. You know, I'm so grateful for all of these things, but, but we are continued to be treated like we're second class citizens and we're worthless if we don't fit this arbitrary and completely untainable ideal. And we are distracted with the pursuit of thinness and the pursuit of beauty. We are continually told to hate ourselves and our bodies. And we are continually told that we are not good enough unless we look a certain way. And what happens, what's the result of this, of this beauty and thin ideal as this like, I, I literally think that this is just another crime against women. It's like, you know, the beauty ideal is used against women. And what has happened is there's this invisible social class system that puts women in a hierarchy against one another based on the way that we look. So we're fighting to be the thinnest and the prettiest so that we can be valuable members of society. And then this way, we are just too busy trying to shrink our bodies so that we feel like we deserve to take up space. This way, we are all too busy to rise up and bring the divine feminine into balance. Oh, man. Okay. So I hope that's making sense. Like, I, I have been thinking about this the last year. That, like, we're so distracted by hating ourselves to, like, actually see that we still have a lot of work to do. And that we're still being treated like second-class citizens. That we're never to be acknowledged if we, if we can't first offer, offer up beauty and thinness. 
And that's just like so fucked up. Like you, girlfriend, like you have a brain, you have a heart, like you have so much to offer this world. But we like don't feel like we're worthy of really offering what it is that we're capable of offering if we like have cellulite or we don't have a six pack or like we have wrinkles or like we have acne or our legs aren't toothpicks. Our society and culture doesn't just have a dark history of keeping people of color suppressed and treating them like second class citizens and inhumanely, but we keep people of varying size and age absolutely suppressed. And I'm fucking pissed that this is happening. It is not an accident that women are told they lose value as their age and as their bodies become more feminine, right? I really think that sadly, treating someone differently based on the size of their body is the only socially acceptable form of discrimination we have left. Every other type of discrimination is being picked apart, is having laws put in place to protect against it, but not the discrimination by institutionalized fat phobic doctors, not institutionalized fat phobia from different employers and just Gosh, so many facets of our society. We absolutely discriminate against people on the basis of thinness and beauty. And it is toxic. It is fucked up. It is wrong. And it needs to change. And it is what I am hoping to change by speaking my truth to you today. I just think that it is not an accident that women are told they lose value as, as they mature, as they get more comfortable in their bodies, as they start to see the world for what it is and we become more feminine. It's not an accident. Like it's just, it's just not. It's a way to keep the patriarchal society in place. It's a way to continue to not allow all humans to be treated equally. So I want to read you this quote from Naomi Wolf that, Wolf that illustrates this pretty beautifully. She says, Whatever is deeply, essentially female, the life in a woman's expression, the feel of her flesh, the shape of her breasts, the transformations after childbirth of her skin, is being reclassified as ugly, and ugliness as disease. These qualities are about an intensification of female power, which explains why they are being recast as a diminution of power. At least a third of a woman's life is marked with aging. About a third of her body is made of fat. Both symbols are being transformed into operable condition so that women will only feel healthy if they are two-thirds of the women we could be. How can an ideal be about women if it is defined as how much of a female sexual characteristic does not exist on the female's body, and how much of a female life does not show on her face. You guys, are you hearing what she's saying? We're literally told that as women become more feminine, right, as we age, as our body starts to become more round and comfortable, as our body changes after giving childbirth, which really which really is a representation of female power, it's being told to us that no, that's actually what makes us less powerful, right? We live in a society that tells us we're not good enough as we become more feminine, as we become more womanly. And now these symbols, right? So aging on a woman's face, all of the anti-aging products that are out there and all of these 
all of the cultural messages we get about needing to be thin, these symbols are being transformed into a weapon to use against us, right? We're told that the only way for us to be healthy, powerful women is if we are literally two-thirds of the women of the woman that we could be, right? Like, I'm hoping that you're seeing that for what it is. What I want you to take away from this is that the problem is not your body or lack of thigh gap or your naturally occurring body dimples known as your cellulite or your wrinkles. The problem is not that your stomach is not flat enough. The problem is the culture that tells you something is wrong with you if you do not look like a fucking Barbie doll. So please stop hating yourself. Stop thinking that there is something wrong with you because you can't just love your body for what it is. The problem is not your body and the problem is that you're not struggling to love yourself. The problem is we live in a culture that is continually teaching us to not like our bodies, to fight against our bodies instead of embracing who we are, instead of expanding past our edges, instead of speaking our truth and standing up for ourselves and being comfortable in our skin. And it's teaching us to fixate on these naturally occurring parts of just being a woman. So by properly identifying the problem, right, by realizing that the problem is not your body, but identifying it as the culture, as the patriarchal society that continually teaches us that we're fucking objects, that we're here to appease the male gaze. And just so you know, I'm not, I don't hate men by any means. I love men. We need them. They're important. But I just want you to see the culture for what it is. The problem is the culture. And by properly identifying the problem, we can find the right solution. And since the problem is not your body, then we can stop trying to fix your body as the solution. Fixing your body, shrinking your body, nipping and tucking and liposuctioning away your, your fat. Like that is not the solution. And I'm not trying to shame you if you've done any of those things. I am not by any means trying to make you feel bad for making changes to your body or buying beauty products or like getting a facelift or like plastic surgery. I am not shaming you at all. I understand why we do these things. I understand. I get it. We live in a culture, right? We're just like trying to keep our head above water. We're trying to be treated like a human being and not a object. We're trying to be valued. We're trying to be seen. We're trying to be noticed. We're trying to be loved. We're trying to be respected. We're trying to be accepted. I do not blame the oppressed. I am not trying to blame women for this. We are the oppressed. I am trying to call out the oppressors. I'm trying to call out the oppression. So please know that that is where this is coming from. I do not blame women, okay? Because I get it. Again, the problem is the culture that we are swimming in. So we need to stand up against it. We need to give less fucks away to the people who benefit when we hate ourselves. Like, sit here and think about it. Who benefits from you hating your body? It's not you. It is not you. So, ugh, man, I just want us to give less of our fucks away to the people who truly benefit when we hate ourselves. So according to Naomi Wolf, I want to read you guys another quote from her because it is just so much juicy goodness. Our society does reward beauty on the outside over health on the inside. 
Women must not be blamed for choosing short-term beauty fixes that harm our long-term health. Since our lifespans are inverted under the beauty myth, and there is no great social or economic incentive for women to live a long time, a thin young woman with precancerous lungs who smokes to stay thin is more highly rewarded socially than a hearty old crone. Spokespeople sell women the Iron Maiden, an intrinsically unattainable standard of beauty used to punish women for their failure to achieve and conform to it, and then name her health. If public discourse were really concerned with women's health, it would turn angrily upon this aspect of the beauty myth. So again, we don't want to blame women for choosing short-term beauty fixes. We don't want to blame them for smoking to stay thin. We don't want to blame them for trying to lose weight on a diet. We don't want to blame them for getting cosmetic surgery. Because yeah, our society definitely rewards thin, beautiful people. So if we were truly concerned with women's health, we would be pissed off about the beauty and thin ideal. So if you truly care about your health and the health of the women in your lives, then I want you to get pissed off at the culture. I don't want you to get mad at yourself. If you're going to get angry, please direct the anger in the right direction. Okay, one more quote from Naomi Wolf and then I'm going to wrap this podcast up. So a consequence of female self-love is that the woman grows convinced of social worth. Her love for her body will not be unqualified, which is the basis of female identification. If a woman loves her own body, she doesn't grudge what other women do with theirs. If she loves femaleness, she champions its rights. It's true what they say about women. We are insatiable. We are greedy. Our appetites do need to be controlled if things are to stay in place. If the world were ours too, so ours too, if we shared it, if we had equal rights, if we believed we could get away with it, we would ask for more love, more sex, more money, more commitment to children, more food, more care. These sexual, emotional, and physical demands would begin to extend to social demands. Payment for care of the elderly, parental leave, child care. The forces of female desire would be so great that society would truly have to reckon with what women want in bed and in the world. Ladies, are you hearing this? Like, this is crazy to me, but like... The beauty and thin ideal is used against women to keep us in line, to keep us from coming into balance, to keep us fighting against ourselves and our bodies instead of fighting for what we deserve. Fair pay, parental leave, care for the elderly, right? Like feminist values are a part of these other social values. And like I really got clear now that like I am an accidental activist. Like the work that I am doing to help women heal their relationship with food and their bodies this is like a social and a political issue and I am getting present to it I am so present to the power of the work that I am doing and how lit up I am about it and how passionate I am about it it is so important like it blows my mind to know that you that literally out of a, I think it's 193 countries that are a part of the United Nations, the U.S., the United States, is literally one of the few that does not have law around paid parental leave. And you guys, this is not a fucking accident. This is intentional. If women 
have to take off work to have a baby and they don't get paid or they're not guaranteed to get their jobs back. Well, guess what, you guys? That's not good for women. All right? That is not good for women. I do love the United States. There's lots of great things happening in this country. I'm grateful to live here. I am aware of the freedoms that I have, the rights that I have, the access to live a life that I love, to be able to voice my opinions with you guys here, to share my passion. I'm grateful for that. And I, again, I don't hate men. I really truly believe that like men are just lacking leadership. They're lacking direction. There are very few examples of divine masculinity in our world right now. Men are confused. I don't think they know what to do or how to live or how to treat women. I definitely think that the, 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 blah, blah, blah. I definitely think that the divine, divine feminine is much more present in the world. And I do think that women have to evolve first before men, but I have compassion on men. And so I'm not angry at them. That's not what this is about. But I do really, truly believe that our world needs both divine divine masculine and divine divine feminine and we're really lacking that masculine energy that masculine leadership right like the Gandhis of the world and Martin Luther King Jr like these are good examples of divine masculinity and we just don't have many of them anymore right like I can't even name any I'm not even sure that we have examples and so you know I, women have to come first. Women, we have to wake up. We have to snap out of it. We have to stop hating ourselves. The world needs us. It needs feminist values. It needs feminine desires, right? Female desires. It does not need us to shrink. It does not need us to get more toned. No problem if you want to work out and get toned. That's cool. That's fine. But don't let it distract you. Just don't let it keep you from being in your body and loving your body. I want you to be in your body without hating your body. And I want you to do what you would do if you weren't so consumed with thoughts about food and your body. So, okay. End rant. Wow. Gosh. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm like totally afraid to put this podcast episode out. So I guess, yeah, I just, I made a commitment to myself that I'm going to do it. Um, I hope you like it. Please let me know. Um, that is all for today. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a ratings and review on iTunes. You still have a chance to enter that giveaway for uh, either admission into my online course, Break Free from Binge Eating. And then you could also choose a one-on-one coaching session with me. So I'm going to pick five winners. Uh, so by leaving a ratings and review, you're automatically entered into that podcast so thank you guys so much and I'll talk to you soon